Welcome to the Ecom Project podcast, where you learn how to take your e-commerce business to five, six, and even seven figures in monthly sales using advanced performance marketing, smart marketing strategies, and literally anything that could help take your conversions to a whole new level. I'm your host, Marco Rodriguez, and now I wish you lots of fun with another episode. Welcome to this new episode of the Ecom Project podcast, where we talk about the seven common mistakes that cost store owners tens of thousands of dollars. And of course, the exact amount depends on how far you already are with your business. Are you just starting or are you already making a hundred, maybe $200,000 in monthly sales? The more you make, the more you're potentially missing out on if you are not aware of these mistakes and if you're not fixing them. So these common mistakes come from me working with hundreds and hundreds of businesses over the past years. And whenever we introduced one of these things, so when we basically when we fixed one of these mistakes that I'm mentioning here, we saw sales skyrocketing or really going up, right? And without further ado, I want to immediately start talking about those seven mistakes. So the first one is not conducting active feedback surveys. So you're probably familiar with tools like Hotjar that let you record customer behavior. Many of these tools, and there are many, many others, let you conduct little surveys with your potential customers. So let's say that 30 seconds after someone visits your page, they will be prompted with a little non-intrusive pop-up that tells them, hey there, why haven't you bought at us at our place yet, right? Why didn't you buy anything in our store yet? And the customer will be presented with a set of given answers. Like for example, it's too expensive or probably the selection isn't big enough or probably um, you don't have what I'm looking for or I'm just window shopping. The point is you wanna give the customer certain pre-made answers. So of course it's better if you let them write their own answer, but then you will definitely get a lot less, a lot less answers. So that's something really worth balancing. But if you do something like that, the value here comes from understanding why your conversion rates are not as high as they could be. So of course customers often don't really know what they want, but if 20 people in a row say they're just window shopping or if 20 people in a row say that they are not finding the products they're looking for, you kind of get an idea of what's missing in your store, right? If everyone says it's too expensive, maybe there is something onto it. Of course, if just one or two people are are saying something about that, it's not statistically significant at all. But if you see a large group of people answering that question and answering that survey in a very one-dimensional way, it tells you that there is probably something that could be fixed or improved in your business. The second is actually even easier to implement and very straightforward and that's missing live chat and immediate customer response. So you won't believe how many sales we recovered in a whole bunch of stores already simply by having a live chat that answers people's question right away. I mean, think about yourself for a second. If you are shopping somewhere and you really, really want to buy this product right now, and you have like a burning question, something that doesn't allow you to buy the product at this very moment if it doesn't get answered, there is no live chat, well, then you're probably not buying it if the, if the page doesn't answer your question. It could be something technical. It could be something about the purchase process. It could be something that is very 
prominent on the page already but people are just lazy or they are missing out on that and they just want to ask a human to confirm that it's actually true especially when it's an expensive item right i have for example a client where we sell e-bikes for two thousand pounds and uh in, well it's an it's an english client so around two and a half 2.7k dollars and more depending on the model and there it's really important that they can talk to us up front of course your own products might be a lot less expensive but generally with increasing prices it makes sense to be there and to answer people's questions quickly so that they don't leave them by somewhere else simply because their question didn't get answered the next thing a cheap low-cost google shopping campaign should always be present with your business so it doesn't matter almost it almost doesn't matter what you sell for 95 to 99 percent of e-commerce products it's worth it to register a google merchant center account to register a google ads account and then run some cheap google shopping ads you know they could be ten dollars a day they could be 20 they could be 50 dollars a day 100 depending on your size of course and then you could start with very very low bits it's almost impossible now that seems like a very bold statement but it's almost impossible to not make any sort of sales or any profitable sales with google shopping in the midterm if you bid very very low okay so unless you have unless you have really cheap products with super uh, low margins you know you're selling ten dollars socks or underwear or something or, or something else that is super competitive and very low priced then okay it might not be the right choice for you at this point later on it definitely might be but with the vast majority of online stores out there it is worth setting up a google ads account setting up a google merchant center account running a very simple campaign it doesn't have to be fancy you don't have to spend two hours a day managing it you can set it up once you can set very low bits you can set very low budgets and then you can almost forget about it of course that way you will never get out crazy value from this you will never make you know high five or six figures in monthly sales just by doing a very basic campaign like this but you have the potential of making extra sales of getting high quality buying intent traffic to your store like clockwork if you do it like this because google shopping with low bids is in my opinion and from my experience the lowest hanging fruit in e-commerce you will sooner or later get sales because there's buying intent and because if you have a somewhat decent product page and store you will at some point make sales in the next on the next level then basically of course you can try to improve your game you can get someone on board like me who is managing google ads accounts with 50 60 thousand dollars daily for clients but that's not needed in the beginning at all you can just start run some cheap ads see how it goes especially if you're just starting number four is that you are not using categories and collections that are super well structured i see this all the time that people have very loose categories that they make it pretty hard to navigate that they make it difficult for people to find exactly what they want one of the secrets of having a store that works very well especially with paid traffic especially with google ads is that you have a very good structure in terms of collections categories and stuff like this so Oftentimes people don't know the exact product they want to buy from you. They just want what type of product they want to buy. And if you have a collection or category page that isn't easy to filter, that isn't easy to navigate, that isn't easy to browse, then it's very difficult to sell those products properly, right? You might send people to a specific product with your ad or something, but if you are not making it easy to browse your entire store with these, um, then 
you will definitely miss out on sales. So this is absolutely something you should keep in mind. Think about how you can best structure your store, which products belong to a category, which products belong in the same collection, because they have to be similar enough to justify them being in the same collection. And if you then create a further filter system by prices, by feature and stuff like this, you give people even more tools to find the right products. Of course, it depends on how many products you have in your store in the first place. Then we have number five, and this is overusing individual products compared to variants and vice versa, basically. So let me explain real quick what I mean with that. A lot of people have, let's say, 10 different products. Let's say, for example, 10 different jackets, and it's the exact same jacket, the only difference being the color, and they create 10 different products for it. Now imagine you are a customer and you want to buy a jacket, you always have to go back to the category page, you have to look at another jacket, you have to go back to the category page, you have to look at another jacket. This costs time, this is frustrating, this is more difficult than it has to be. So if you have products that are super similar, like literally just one tiny feature missing, or if you have bundles or something, don't create individual products for each of these things, right? Rather create variants for it. So with Shopify, for example, simply create a variant so that you have one product, like the master product, and then five variants for colors, for sizes. Maybe if you have a technical product and the only difference between two is that one has Bluetooth and the other doesn't, simply make it a variant. Simply create a variant, no Bluetooth, and create one with Bluetooth. Put it in the same product, will be a lot easier to navigate than if you always split these things up. And of course, the other way around. There are people that try to make variants of products that are super different in many ways, right? So they have a base variant, they have a base variant, and they have another one that comes with 15 different features or that looks entirely different. I see this I see this uh, variant a lot less. Usually it's the first that they split it up too much, but I also sometimes see the second. So make sure that you have at as few products as possible. Um, because that's usually better than having too many instead of using variants. Number six, very straightforward. You're not collecting retargeting data for Google and Facebook specifically from day one. So as soon as you start your store, you should have a Facebook pixel. You should have the Google tag installed and both of them should be then recording visitors because the more visitors you have in your retargeting audiences, the bigger your potential um, user base, the bigger your potential customer base, because you can retarget to all those people. I literally know of businesses and clients that, that, that didn't start collecting visitors and, and retargeting them until they were already making high six or sometimes even seven figures in sales. That's like pretty much leaving 50 to 200K or something or more on the table. Right. So make sure that you have those things installed, make sure that they are actively collecting visits, that they're actively collecting users. It will allow, allow you to retarget. It will allow you to create similar or lookalike audience, depending on the platform. It will allow you to find users like them. Extremely important. And it literally takes 10 minutes per platform or something, especially if you use a shop system like Shopify, where it's super easy. And the last point here, of course, there are many, many more. But the last point in this quick seven uh, mistake collection is maximum transparency. One typical mistake is that you don't have maximum transparency at any given time. So you, for example, surprise the end user with a $6 shipping fee in the end, or you surprise users with um, 30 day shipping, or you surprise users with a huge contact form that they have to fill 
it's not what I see all the time, but I regularly see businesses that literally require users to give their phone number, give their email, give their full address, which of course makes sense, but they have so many unnecessary fields that it really turns people off. But the biggest turnoff here is actually the shipping. So be transparent with your shipping. You might not think, hey, it's better to surprise them with it because then they already made the commitment that they want to buy and they are already in my checkout. That sounds good and sometimes it may work, but the point is if you are like surprising them, you like hit them in the face. They just entered your checkout and they are like, okay, let me buy this. And they're already pulling out the credit card and then they see you, boom, $7 shipping, boom, $5 shipping. And it's an immediate turnoff, even though they might think about it and rationally it makes sense because your products may be very cheap and maybe a competitor is, is more expensive in total, but shipping costs are really hurting us. Like we don't like to pay for shipping because it feels like an unnecessary expense. So make sure that you have maximum transparency. If you charge shipping, which I honestly don't recommend if you can avoid it, I always try to use free shipping and sort of put the shipping price on my product price. But if you have ch shipping, make it somewhat easy to, to look at upfront. And this will, you know, be part of the of the purchase decision and you will see that the that the rate of abandoned checkouts will really really go down sure you might get a few less add to carts and everything but in the grand scheme of things what i typically see is that if you do it that way um, the numbers look better than if you are surprising people with with uh, high shipping costs all of a sudden so keep this in mind and it should overall impact your bottom line in a positive way so yeah, these were my seven points, the seven common mistakes that cost store owners tens of thousands of dollars potentially. Of course, this list is by no means exclusive. Like there are many, many, many more that I see all the time on the store itself, on the ads, on the marketing. There are so many things that can go wrong, but these are seven that are very easy to fix, that are very easy to, to understand. And I hope that with this little podcast episode here, you now know that you can make a quick fix to this. All of the seven combined, probably depending on your store, may take you anywhere from like two to six, seven hours to accomplish. So very short, actually, in the grand scheme of things. And yes, I hope that this episode was helpful. I hope that you got something out of these seven points. If you have any questions, make sure to check the link in the show notes in order to get in contact with me, send me an email, or basically just hook up with me to get your questions answered. And I'm really looking forward to see you in the next podcast episode as well. So make sure that you subscribe it in your podcast app. And I'm looking forward to see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ecom Project podcast. And if you want me to personally help you grow your business and get to the next level, make sure to visit the link in the description to get to my page and schedule a call with me or someone from my team. Now I wish you lots of fun and a lot of success with your business. I hope that I will see you next time. So please subscribe to the show. And until then, I wish you all the best. Bye-bye.